Well, it's good to be back with you. I was out of town last weekend, had a wedding in Charleston uh, for a young couple. The young man had grown up here in the life of our church. And uh, as I do with uh, most of them for planning a wedding, I ask them to come up with a passage of scripture or a verse of scripture that they will claim for their wedding day and as a theme for their marriage as well. And they chose 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which is out of that great love chapter that Paul writes about and says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I thought it was a wonderful passage of scripture and I developed a little mini message around that that I normally do and I gave to them uh, that last little charge before we shared in their vows and the ring ceremony. But um, even though I'd known for several weeks or perhaps even a month or two that that was the passage of Scripture that they had chosen, uh, not only did I develop that that little mini-message for them, but I began to think about all the different places that I have read in the Scriptures where those three words, faith, hope, and love, uh, were put together and where we could could connect with those words. And and I, I got to thinking about how simple but yet how profound and how powerful and how important and life-changing those three words can be, faith, hope, and love, when we understand them correctly and apply them correctly into our life. I was also uh, interested in noticing the number of times that those three words, faith, hope, and love, are connected in some passage of Scripture. we got our three of them up on the screen for you, okay? First one comes out of uh, Colossians 1, 4 through 5. Let's take a quick look at that one. Is it going to work? Okay, there it is. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. So there we have it in that passage of scripture. Faith, hope, and love. Then this was a powerful one out of 1 Thessalonians 1.3. I really like this one, the way the Apostle Paul writes to, to this group of believers. And he says, we continue to remember before God, our God and Father your work. And how does he describe it? Produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there it is once again, faith, hope, and love that are put together, and, and this is around their work, their work that they had done. You might remember about the Thessalonians, they came out of idol worship, and Paul says that once they became believers and followers of Christ, then the message of the gospel literally rang out from them. And so he's talking about what, what they did, their work produced by faith, their labor prompted by love, and their endurance inspired by hope. And then uh, the, the passage of Scripture that was chosen for the wedding, and that's 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Three powerful words, so small, maybe seemingly insignificant, maybe overused to some extent, but they are the key to our success and our spiritual walk as followers of Jesus Christ. And so for the next three weeks, Today and the next two weeks, we're going, we're going to consider each one of these in the way that, that, that I think will be helpful to our life, our walking with Christ, and, and how we can develop our life around these words, faith, hope, and love. Today we're going to begin with faith. And the scripture is from Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 6. And so many, many, many passages of scripture we could have chosen that would talk about faith. 
But this one is significant because I think that when you see the context of it, that maybe it's a little bit baffling. Maybe you don't understand exactly why Jesus answered the way he did when the disciples were asking something about faith. But he's been teaching them about sin and about faith and about their duty. He's been talking about forgiveness. And then the disciples say in verse 5, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. So that's an interesting thing in it. The disciples say, we need our faith increased. Increase our faith, Lord. And Jesus didn't give them the pat answer. He didn't sit them down and talk about it and say, well, let's talk about your quiet time. Now, how's your prayer life? How are you doing with the studying the scriptures that you have from the Old Testament? How's your prayer life if you want to talk about increase your faith? Instead, Jesus didn't give any instructions or guidance. He just simply said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Then I don't think that was anything in the way of the answer that the disciples were expecting to get from Jesus. In essence, I think what Jesus was saying is, you don't really need more faith. What you need is to use the faith that you have and to use it more effectively. Now, I would imagine that most of us at some point in time in our spiritual walk, sometimes maybe in our prayer life, we would have cried out and asked Jesus the same thing. I need a greater faith. I'm asking for more faith, God. And the reason that I'm asking for that is so that I can believe God for greater things. I think we've all asked that, haven't we? And we think that the larger or the greater my faith is, then the more I can trust God to do greater things in my life. And the answer that Jesus would give to us today is the same he gave to the disciples back then. It's not so much that we need to increase our faith or have a stronger faith or a greater faith, but it's that we need to learn to use the faith that we have. We don't need to grow in our faith, like get more faith, but the challenge to having what I'm calling a fantastic faith that would trust God to do more things is we need to grow in our faith so that we can learn to how to use and trust the faith that we have. I think in essence that's what, that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples and that's what he's saying to us. As he says to us, you know, if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree and it will be cast away from you. So how do we come to understand this faith that it will be a fantastic faith even as small as a mustard seed? Well, I think there are three choices we need to make about this faith if we want to see that happen in our life. The first one is we must choose the right side. Choose the right side. See, our faith is lived out in several different arenas within our life. And the issue for us is, is whether our faith is being placed on the right side. So let's see where we would choose to be on the right side. Imagine that you are back about a 1,000 years B.C. You're standing in the Valley of Elah, and you know that there is a battle that's getting ready to take place. It's not a battle between armies, but between two men, or rather a man who is in gigantic proportions and a small lad. It's that battle that you know between David and Goliath. 
And you notice that Goliath is there arrayed in all of his spiritual armor, standing seven, maybe eight feet tall. He's got every piece of arsenal that he could possibly have at his disposal at that time. And he's ready there to do battle with his challenger. And the challenger is a young shepherd boy with a ruddy complexion, dressed like a shepherd. And he has nothing with him except a slingshot and five smooth stones. Now, if you had to bet on this, if you had to place a wager on that, where would you place your bet? Well, you, you, you have an advantage today that you know how the story comes out. But just think about the fact that if you were there that day and you had no foreknowledge whatsoever about how the outcome would come, where would you think you would place your faith? You would think you'd choose on the side of Goliath, wouldn't you? Well, let's think about another incident. To take it all the way modern day to day. When you, when you invest your money and you want to invest in the stock market, and you know, if, if you have noticed this week, and hopefully you have, it's been a wild week on Wall Street. If you haven't checked your portfolio, you probably need to do so, and maybe you don't even want to do that and look and see what you've lost this week. But the whole concept of investing and buying stock is you want that stock to increase in value so that your portfolio, your net value increases. So to do that, you want to choose the right stocks, right? So you make sure you choose on the right side. Now, when we encompass this word faith and put it all together in our life, in the arenas of our life, here's what it boils down to. That we have to say, every day you and I face situations where we have to say, I believe I made the right choice and I will stake my future on it. I believe by faith I've made the right choice and I will stake my future on that. Every day, you see, we're faced with choices that we have to make, and we have to make sure that we choose on the right side. And so where does that relate to our faith experience and our relationship with God? Well, it goes like this. Do I believe this problem to be all-powerful, or do I believe that God is all-powerful? What side will I choose? See, do I believe that the sins of my past have the power to destroy my present and my future, or do I believe that God's mercy is greater than my sin? Do I believe in the power of sickness, or do I believe in God's power to heal? And you see, every day we make decisions based on faith, and those decisions reveal what we really believe. For example, we might say that we believe that God is in control, that he is sovereign, he's supreme, and he is in control. But if we make the choice to fall apart every time something doesn't go right in our life, then what do we really believe? Where is our faith? What side do we really choose? You may say that you believe that God will bless you financially. But if you hoard your money and you fail to invest in the kingdom of God, what do you really believe? What side have you chosen? And once again, we go back to say it's not so much that any of us needs more faith or greater faith. We just need to put our faith in the right place. And so that means that we have to ask ourselves, all throughout, every day, day by day, as you make your decision, what are my thoughts, my feelings, my attitude, and behavior telling me about what I really believe? 
See, putting your faith into practice means you make a deliberate decision to choose one side over the other, one worldview over the other, one set of values over the other. It means that you say, this is what I choose to believe. And I am pointing my faith in God's direction and I will let my behavior follow. When things don't go your way, you can put your faith in an idea that your world is falling apart or you can put your faith in the idea that God still is in charge. And he has your life and your life circumstances completely under control. Every time you're confronted with a David and Goliath experience, it's time to reaffirm your faith in God. And that's making the right choice. Choose the right side. Then the second thing we must do is we must choose the right words. And that simply says that what we say and how we say it has a profound impact on our faith. Jesus said to the disciples, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and that's probably the tiniest seed that there is, that you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You see, he doesn't ask them again, how's your prayer life? How's your quiet time? How's your Bible study going along when they ask for greater faith? He simply says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 23, I think we got this verse on the screen, and we got it here in the NIV. Jesus says in another place, I tell you the truth, and he's talking about faith. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. What's the key phrase there in that verse? I think it's when Jesus says that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. That's speaking the right words. See, Jesus didn't tell his disciples that if you merely have faith, then mountains will automatically uh, move and trees will automatically fall into the sea and be uprooted and everything will automatically fall into place just because there's faith in your heart. That's not what he said at all. But what he did say, if you believe in your heart and if you speak it out loud, you will have what you say. Now here's what I think Jesus is saying to us today. And it goes along with what you say. Speak out loud about your faith. You cannot talk defeat all day, every day, and expect to experience victory. So you cannot live with a defeatist attitude and say, I just don't think, I I don't even believe God can do anything to help me with this situation. Well, you're defeated to begin with. And where's your faith in this all-powerful, supreme God? You, see, you cannot talk about your insurmountable problems and expect the, to experience the problem-solving power of God. What you say in faith is what matters. Let me give you an illustration from history. I think we got a picture of him. Edmund Hillary. You remember Edmund Hillary? What's he noted for? Yeah, uh, Mount Everest. He was an explorer from New Zealand. His dream, his lifelong dream, had been to be the first person to scale to the summit of Mount Everest. 
The first attempt that he made with a group failed miserably. The second one was even worse than that because people lost their life in that. And before they made it to the top of Mount Everest, he was speaking to a group of people, and he told them about that experience. And in the middle of his speech, he turned around, and he looked at a full-size photo that was there of Mount Everest. And this is what he said. He said, Mount Everest, you have defeated me, but I will return, and I will defeat you because you cannot get larger, but I can. He spoke those words to the mountain. And on May 29, 1953, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay from Nepal became the first climbers to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Now, you see what what, what, what Hillary did from the podium? He spoke to the mountain, and then he defeated the mountain. Let's go back to that encounter between David and Goliath. What did David say in faith when he went out to meet Goliath? He looked at Goliath with everything that Goliath had on, all the armor, everything at his disposal. And this is what David said. He spoke words of faith. He said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. David is speaking words of faith there. He says, Goliath, you are trusting in who you are and your armament. I am trusting in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. He goes on to say, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will will give you all of you into your hands. And he will give all of you into our hands. Out of 1 Samuel 17. What did David do? He spoke words of faith to the giant in his life. So let me ask you some questions. We're talking about your faith. How do you speak to the giants in your life? Everybody has giants in their life. How how do you speak to the mountains in your life? Everybody's got mountains of some sort that are obstacles uh, in your pathway to success. How do you speak to them? How do you speak to the problems in your life? Everybody's got problems of some sort. You got family problems. You got problems at work. You got money problems. You got sickness in your family. You got business problems, you know, all kinds of things. You got problems with your next door neighbor. You got problems with, with, with distant relatives, all those kinds of things. How do you speak to the mountains, to the giants, and the problems in your life? We see a fantastic faith says to fear, to the past, to anger, to sickness, to worry, to debt, to laziness, to selfishness, to greed, and to every other mountain. You might have defeated me before, but you cannot get any bigger, and I can. And through the presence and power of God in my life, through Jesus Christ, his son, I have been made more than a conqueror, and you will be defeated. Have you ever said that to your problems? You ever said that to the giants in your life? You ever said that to the mountains in your life? You see, 
That's using your faith when you say to them, you might have challenged me and you might have defeated me in the past, but I'm going to defeat you through the power of God at work in my life. I think that's the essence of what Jesus was saying to the disciples when they said, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could believe these things. And so I would say to you, if you want to see your faith come alive to the extent that mountains are moved, trees are uprooted, then you have to make the deliberate decision to choose the right words. And that's being confident and having security and faith and the sovereign Lord God. You have to choose the right words. And then the third choice we have to make is we have to choose the right path. The right path. And this passage from the Gospel of Luke before Jesus taught his disciples about the power of the mustard seed faith. He talked about what kind of influence we might have on others. And he, he talked about forgiveness. And how we're called upon to forgive. And it's at that point I think the disciples realized we're not at that point yet. We can't do that right yet. And that's when they said increase our faith. And Jesus said you have faith. Use the faith that you have even if it's as small as a mustard seed. He told his disciples about mustard seed faith and he talked to them about serving God not with an attitude of entitlement, but with an attitude of humility. And so as he talked about faith, he also talked about holiness and obedience and forgiveness. And that's because our faith isn't a stand-alone quality in our life. You can't be a person of great faith and harbor unforgiveness and ill will towards somebody. Neither can you be full of pride and ego and selfish ambition and expect great things to happen because of your faith. And that's because faith must be integrated with every part of your life. It's interesting then to find that the Greek word that is translated faith in the New Testament is also translated faithfulness because the early Christian writers saw that Faith and faithfulness walk hand in hand for victory in the life of the believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you really believe something, it will be reflected in the way that you live. If you believe God is all-powerful and you're in a relationship with Him, you will live believing that God is all-powerful, and it will show in your life. If you believe that God is forgiving, then it will show in your life. If you believe that God can sustain you through anything and remove any obstacle or any problem from your life and you believe in that and you act then like you believe that God will do that. You see, what you believe inevitably makes its way into the pattern of your life's behavior. I had a discussion Wednesday night with one of our members about the book of James and talked about that hand-in-hand that, that -hand action between faith and, and works. And James said, I will show you my faith by what I do. And James went on to say that faith without works is a dead faith. He's not saying that you're saved by your works, but he's saying that, that when you are saved and you walk in that faith, then you demonstrate ultimately day by day by your decisions and your choice of life what you really believe. 
And so the challenge of Scripture then is to choose the right path. Uh, everybody here should want a fantastic faith. Everybody probably has cried out, increase my faith. Jesus says the same thing to you that he said back then to the disciples. Take the faith you have, even if it's as small as mustard seed, and live by that faith. Exercise that faith. Choose that faith above fear. Walk in that faith and a right relationship with God. See, our faith must be evident in words and thoughts and actions. And here's the principle, I think, of this fantastic faith that we want and what Jesus talked about, and it's this. Mountain-moving faith. Can we get that up on the screen? Well, you got it on your outline. Can't get it up? Mountain-moving faith happens when your thoughts, your words, and your actions are reflected in what you say you believe. There it is. Mountain-moving faith happens when your thoughts, your words, and your actions are reflected in what you say you believe. That's the faith that moves mountains and trusts God for wonderful, powerful things to take place. That's the faith we are called to claim through Jesus Christ. Father, we come into a relationship with you by faith, and we live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And when we're tempted to cry out, Lord, increase my faith, help us to understand that even if we have as small a faith as a mustard seed, that if we exercise that faith properly, making sure we choose you above anything else, believing that you are sovereign and supreme and all-powerful to face our problems and our mountains and our disappointments, then, Father, we can experience your power in our life doing great things, even with the faith of a mustard seed. So help us to have that faith and not desire so much to grow that faith, but to grow in our faith as we trust you day by day and as we live for you day by day. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.